0: Welcome to another episode of Soccer, Not Football, and, well, do we have a jam-packed episode for you, uh, because today uh, we had just finished um, all of the European games that have been going on for the last couple weeks, and we're going to tackle um, all of the Champions League games that have occurred in the first leg, as well as the, um, the Europa League games, the the champions or what I call it, Champions League light. Um, So for those who are not familiar with the Champions League, um, it is um, the premier competition in Europe where all of the top clubs in Europe get to compete against each other. um, And whoever comes out on top would be champions of Europe. So they go into, so we just, for for those who have been part of the soccer, not football uh, community, since uh, November, um, we talked a little bit about the closing stages of the group uh, stage and then talking about the last 16 who, who made it. Um, so yeah, this is the um, round of 16 and it consists of um, two rounds, um, two legs actually. So one team will play at home and the other team will play like away. So they will, so both we'll have opportunity um, to uh, make their impact towards those two games. And whoever finishes out, they move on to the next round. So we just finished the first leg. Um, they occurred Tuesday and Wednesday. And the next leg will occur in, um, in a couple weeks, in March, to see who makes it to the semifinals. But um, I think uh, the first legs have told us Um, a lot about the teams who are participating Um, first and foremost uh, PSG and Barcelona with a um, stunning result for um, PSG a stunning result but not necessarily surprising result Um, PSG um, beat Barcelona 4-1 pretty much off the backs of a Kylian Mbappe masterclass Um, He had scored a uh, hat-trick. Moise Keane, uh, known from Everton, uh, scored the other goal. Um, Messi scored a penalty, uh, but it was all the Moppe show. Um, They were more efficient, more ruthless. Um, They knew what they were doing. And uh, they really took every opportunity, took um, Barcelona's weaknesses and took it to their advantage. Um, yeah, because this Barcelona team was going through the ringer, um, teammates were fine with each other. There's this one instance with, um, PK, uh, arguing with Griezmann. It's like, we're dying out here. We're dying out here. In my, you know, in my, um, in my Spanish voice, um, a little cleaned up by the way, because you know, there was, there's cursing. This is a kid show, but it was just a rough day. All around for every single Barcelona player, um, including Messi and including um, the person, the poor person who had to defend Mbappe, who happens to be our very own Sergino Dest.
1: Yeah, PSG were missing Neymar in this game too. They were down with their best player or their second best player after after this game, and Mbappe may have proven that he's the he's the ringleader in PSG. But they were able to to do that without him uh, and Mbappe was was fantastic it was it was great to see him and he scored in a variety of ways the first goal was some nice tight dribbling second goal was uh, a powerful strike and then the third goal was just you just felt that one going in you were, you just saw him running down the wing and you're like he's he's gonna find a way to score this one mm-hmm. um, and the whole team was good too uh, Marco Verratti in the middle of the field for PSG was good Andro Paredes, they this is the one of the first times that PSG looked like they have uh, a complete team. Um, it might partially, partly be due to Barcelona looking so weak and fragile, and they just taking advantage of that. But they look like this was actually a a complete team win for for PSG. Wow. Go, going back to Dest, yeah, he did get skinned a couple times by Mbappe, but. I mean, that's what's going to happen when you're asked to guard him 1v1. Um, he's super fast. He's super quick, super good on the ball. And if, you, if he tries to go at you 10 times in a game, he's going to get by you two, three, four times. And I think Ronald Coleman didn't really put, a, put him in a good position to succeed because he basically left him one-on-one on that, on that wing. He had Usman Dembele playing on that side, but he was giving absolutely no defensive help. And Dest isn't the best 1v1 defender. We've seen that in the past. He's gotten nutmegged by Tecatito in a Mexico-friendly. Uh, he's kind of struggled with that at Ajax. And he's gotten better at Barcelona. But when you're going against Mbappe, that's that's a tough task. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he definitely, um, definitely has issues with 1v1 defending. And the man is only around, like, 21 years old. Um, so it, it will take time for him to improve on that specific um, set. I remember when he was in Ajax, um, he got burned by Pulisic, actually, in a, in, a Champions League, in a Champions League game that they played together. Um, and, you know, uh, I think we can put our bias aside and say Mbappe is on a – it's on a different level than uh, Pulisic um, right now. And, yeah, like this is – like I can – call this one of the best wins PSG has had in in their in their history. Um and that's even like including you know their run towards the Champions League because you know um part of that run, you know why it ended as runners up, you know, it was mostly the Mbappe and um, Neymar show. And usually when like when those two players have a bad day, then the whole team has a bad day. But um like you were saying, like, this is a uh, a nice team effort. Um, everyone was committed. Everyone was um, – everyone – like, everything was clicking for PSG at that moment. Ferrati um, um, was great. The defense was solid. Um, Moise King, he's having a, like, a rebound season after a tough spell at Everton last year. Um, yeah, everything is going – they they put themselves in a great position to move on to the next round. Um they did come back to earth a little bit PSG um with a loss in Monaco, which is giving them a little distance um from them reaching um the top of the league right now in their league. They're think about they're in third place uh behind um Leah and uh Leon. Um so there's still issues that p s g have but um they definitely put themselves in a position to um
1: get the trophy that they truly that they truly covet. We've seen them squander leads before, but I think if they if they squander this one, it'll be a another collapse of historic proportions
0: if they choke, oh my gosh ah uh, like if they choke then.
1: I don't know what to tell you. I they just got to move the club or something. I know. I know soccer teams don't really do that. They just got to move to another city. Just straight up, just pack your things and go. Mm-hmm. They'll be the Atlanta Falcons of
0: soccer at that point. Because, damn. Yeah, and then you know Neymar might come back. Um, we'll see how this injury progresses too. This might be the time where Barca's really, um is really in the um, really on the brink at this point because Coleman, um, before this game, he was saying like, oh, you know, like I think no one can beat us at this point and immediately got proven wrong. Um, and, you know, we've been saying this has been a flawed Barcelona team and um, this doesn't seem like a team that could really contend um, right now and especially in the, in the future, with the way that's looking, but um, you know, you, like you said, comebacks are can still happen. Um, Messi is still messy, and this will be an exciting tie to watch out for in the next few um, weeks. March tenth,
1: um, a CTV. Moving on to the the other game on that first match day, we had Liverpool. Beating RB Leipzig two nil. Um, two pretty awful defensive mistakes from Leipzig gave uh, Liverpool Liverpool's two best players breakaways on goal. Uh, one was a bad back pass from Marcel Sabitzer. He just basically passed it to Mo Salah, who's not his teammate, and Salah was able to dribble through and one v one with the keeper and score. And then later in the game. I think it was Mukiele, who is one of the Leipzig center backs. Just, he like tried to jump kick a ball and just straight up missed it, and Mane picked it up, ran down the field, put it in the net, 2-0 Liverpool. There wasn't really too much else going on in that game. Liverpool were, were good defensively. They weren't really giving up many chances to, to Leipzig. But yeah, neither team was really knocking at the door. It was kind of a, a gritty midfield game um Liverpool still have injuries at the back and this past week Henderson got hurt so now their backup 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 center back is hurt so going into that second leg if Leipzig maybe go for it maybe put some pressure on those on those new center backs maybe they can they can find a way to to creep back into this tie
0: mm-hmm. the only thing that's going um uh, that Leipzig has going right now is that Liverpool has been on a massive home losing streak. So, you know, um, that bad juju might work out for them. Um, but this was a solid match for a uh, solid game for Liverpool, where, which has come few and far between these days. Um, this has been just been a rough 2021 to them. Um, just the injuries keep piling up. Um, they're replacing rec- um uh, Records with even like worse ones. Um they lost four home games in a row for the first time since like the nineteen twenties. That's nearly like a hundred years. Um, and like you said, injuries keep um the injuries keep knocking. Diego Yota came back only to have Jordan Harrison potentially be out for the rest of the season. Um and um, just a lot of personal um, issues as well with uh, Jurgen Klopp's um, mom's death. And uh, just the other day, we just heard of Allison's uh, dad's death as well. Um, so this has been just been a tough season for, for Liverpool, but there's still plenty of football left for them. Um they still have to fight their way for a top four position, which would be a um, massive drop if, you know, if the current champions
1: aren't even going to make European spots. And, yeah. One, one bright spot for RB Leipzig, at least from a USMNT perspective, was Tyler Adams got his, I believe I'm correct in saying, his first Champions League start. He, he's had a bunch of bench appearances, but this was the first time he actually started a game. It was in the knockouts. He started at right wing back, and it was a pretty typical Tyler Adams performance. kind of boring, good defensively, uh, wasn't doing too much going forward. He did put uh, John through uh, in the 93rd minute, and he put him one-on-one with Allison, and he just put it wide. That could really change the... The complexion of these these two legs. If the Leipzig had scored a late goal, but yeah, Adams was just he was just Adams in this game. Nothing too nothing too groundbreaking. Um, He's solid out there, breaking up defensive plays, and not very good going forward.
0: Yeah, and um, we'll see if he gets. More playing time, he gets that same uh, amount of playing time in uh, the return leg, which would be a massive one to then try to reverse um, that two-goal deficit. Um, And if Liverpool gets one in, then, you know, it's just going to be that much harder for them. Um, But with the way Liverpool has been playing, um, Leicester still has a chance in my my book. So then going to – Dortmund and Sevilla. It looked like Dortmund's uh, issues might continue with a just a just an awful goal in the beginning um, to give Sevilla the lead. But then um, we had a um, amazing uh, goal um, to tie back up, and then at that point it was the um, the Aaron Holland show and um, he literally said anything Mbappe can do, he can do better. And just showing his quality to will his team back into the, back to the tie, get them in the winning position. And um, this, show, and this is more about, um, about Holland than Dortmund, because he pretty much um, willed his team to the, to the win. and, um, it it was a front row display of why um, top European clubs are gonna come after his uh, signature and might actually and might possibly do if um Dorman doesn't secure um Champions League football this season they might have to get rid of Sancho and Holland um, so this is definitely um, important to them
1: to get a, a boost going. Yeah, two goals, one assist from Haaland. Um, it's funny that he said that after the game, because as I was watching, I was like, oh, he must have been uh, impressed by Mbappe's performance and given him a little boost. And then after the game, he was like, yeah, I saw what Mbappe did, and, and that motivated me to play better. And I'm not trying to put pressure on these two guys, but it kind of seems like they might be the next Messi-Ronaldo comparison for the next decade or so, that these two guys are kind of taking over the sport and going to be the, the global superstars going forward. I'm
0: not necessarily sure about that because they tend to do play different positions, but um, yeah, but uh, I can, I can see it because um, Messi and Ronaldo, you know, they're not getting any younger and we're kind of reaching the twilight years of their, their careers, um, which is crazy to say. Considering the amount of production that both of them are playing, um, I think both of them are still like the um, leading goal scorers in their respective leagues. Um, so I'm not willing to replace them just yet, but um, we do have a great. Um, um, I do think that Mbappe and Holland are the leaders of the new generation. The, the Gen Z generation of soccer is going to be great to witness.
1: We should note that Gio Reyna did not make an appearance in this game, mm-hmm. um, which isn't too surprising. He's been struggling for form l- lately in the league, um, but he's still only 18 years old, and that's that. Sometimes people on Twitter forget that they're like, "Oh, he's got to get a move away. He's got to he's got to play." And it's like, no, he's he's 18, and he's going to have his ups and downs, and this is probably the first bad spell of his career, and he's got to find a way to to work around and get over it. You can't just leave every time the going gets tough. You gotta, you gotta find a way to strap on your boots and, and overcome these obstacles. And I'm not really too worried about him. He'll he'll pick up his form. But yeah, Dorman were, are doing okay without him, and we'll see if he can find his way back into the into the squad.
0: Yeah, you know, with uh, every challenge, um, with not being able to get playing time, you know, and run the form it really takes, you know, a lot. You really have to like dig deep and like figure out what you got to do to improve it and like get back. And, you know, once he gets, once he gets the opportunity uh, where that be like um, another start or just like um, you're replacing a player in like the 70 minute or the 90th minute, you just got to make the most of those minutes. And that's what he, he needs to do now. Um, yeah, he didn't play. He was on the bench and um they think the a couple games before um, he was subbed out like 58 minutes in because his performance just wasn't there, and that's just gonna be one of those days that he's just gonna gonna have. Um, it's about where he goes from here when that next moment comes. When he next moment when he does get playing time, where you know will he learn? Will he improve? to get himself out this funk because I know some players who just aren't able to and, um, and their fates are, are sealed, but he is only 18 and, um, and in a League game, you're going to need the most experience that you need. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be too concerned about this, but, um, Yeah, hopefully um, he can make the most of his minutes whenever they come.
1: Porto 2, Juventus 1. Moving on to our next game. Uh, Terrible start for Juventus in this game. The first, like, 90 seconds in, uh, Bentecourt just, I don't know what he's doing, just passes the ball back to his goalie, except there's a Porto attacker right in front of him, and then the attacker just taps the ball into the net, basically just handing Porto a free goal. Um, and Juve were actually down 2-0 in this game and had to be saved by uh, Federico Chiesa. He scored a goal in the 83rd, 82nd minute. Um, without that goal, they'd be in a, a deep, deep hole. Without that away goal, it would be looking a lot tougher for them. Um, Porto did a great job of sitting deep and just absorbing all of Juventus' pressure. They weren't really able to to get much going on. Ronaldo was kind of held in check, and... That's not easy for most teams to do. Um, he's yeah, as you said a couple moments ago, that he's still the top scorer in Italy this year, and I think Juve feel okay with this result, especially without a Wagle. I think they think they can get a a one 0 or a, a three one win at home to to advance. But yeah, it was it was just looking shaky for them. Um, Porto are, are one of those teams who are kind of overlooked. When you get them in the in the round of six team, you're you're happy. you think you're happy to get them. You're like, oh, it's not one of the big boys, but they're always a, a solid, well drilled team, and they're they're a thorn in Juventus' side right now. Yeah, um
0: Juventus just had a rough start to the game and an even rougher start coming back in halftime. It was like the classic example of striking of of a team just immediately screwing up your game plan because 90 minutes, 90 seconds in um, they score a goal. And like what you had going on, you you really got to change it just to try to catch back, catch up. And then 45 minutes in uh, they scored like about 60 seconds in. So that tells a lot about the preparation. They just, that portal was ready to go from the jump and Juventus, Juventus wasn't. And they did a great job of neutralizing the Juventus' attack. Um, most of their attackers were pretty um, held in check. Um, Ronaldo, um uh, Morata, um, Ramsey. Um, yeah, if it wasn't uh, for that chaser goal, um, they would be in the deep hole right now. And we've seen this happen um, in a couple of years back since Ronaldo has been. They get to a – they're behind in this first – they're behind in the um, – they're behind the first leg, and they have more work to do in the second leg. They, and then they score a goal again. And next thing you know, they're out of the Champions League. We saw this with um, Ajax. We saw this last year with, I want to say, with Leon. Leon, right. So if they so they need to be prepared. They need to come ready to play, play a tight game. Most importantly, do not concede. If they don't want to have a repeat of they, they don't want to have a third successive knockout of this nature.
1: Weston McKinney got a start in this game for Juventus. Um, he's been. Probably their their most consistent midfielder this year, which you could take as a good thing or a bad thing. Um, McKinney is a solid player, but he's not necessarily like an elite midfielder yet. He's he's good at what he does. He's got a great engine. He'll he's, he'll destroy everything that comes in his way, and he's he's okay offensively, but he does need to sharpen his his creativity going forward. Um, sometimes he's just a little sloppy with his passing or or with his touches. But yeah, he continues to be that engine in the middle of the field that Juve really lacks right now. They don't really have anyone else who who goes both ways like he does. So it's, it's good to see him being a, a consistent performer with this team. Mm-hmm. And it's rough.
0: And as rough as Juventus had in that Porto game, they um, did what he could, um, trying to make things happen uh, here and there. Um, and he definitely bounced back uh, with the um, game against uh, Corton um, scored um, another goal and um, was really just one of the dominant players out there. So you can definitely see his he's improving each each and every game. So that will definitely be a boost. He'll definitely be a key player to watch in the return league. And um I I believe that he'll definitely give like a a massive performance um in this high stakes type of situation. Um this is kind of like the the biggest high stakes situation that he has had so so far in his uh career, um national and um and club wise. The most I can think of is is the gold cup against Mexico. Um but you know, as as much as it is to beat a, a hated rival in like a cup final, it's it's the gold cup.
1: <laughs> I think he did make the the round of sixteen with Schalke one year, but he wasn't a a solidified starter, and he was also playing like center back or center defensive mid. They they always played him in forty six different positions, out of position. So, yeah, this is definitely his his biggest game to date.
0: Yeah, we'll see how Juventus does in the next uh, couple weeks. Um, they're still uh, trying to crawl their way back into the um, into the Serie A race. Um, they're only they do have a game in hand, only eight points behind Inter. Um, so not totally out of it yet. Not totally out of it yet. And uh, moving on to Bayern and Lazio. Um not that much to really report there. Um Byron just really just dominated on um, the entire match. Um Lazio put up a good performance but <clears throat> couldn't stop the Byron train. Um there when they had their chances, they took it. Um and Lewandowski just continues just to be a um scoring machine, just straight critical. Um Definitely still trying to make the case for that uh, Ballon Dion um, that he should have got in 2020. But, you know, I digress. And um, definitely put them in a very comfortable position coming uh, for the next leg.
1: Yeah, every time Byron went forward, it looked like they, they were going to score or at least create a very good chance. Um, Lazio haven't really had the best defense this year. And it, it really showed through in this game. Yeah, they they did uh, attack pretty well. I uh, Have to give them some credit there. It was almost fifty-fifty on possession, and they uh, in like the eighty-fifth minute or whatever, they were even on shots at like fourteen. But yeah, they were just outlast, outmanned, out everything in this game. Um, Bayern were just Bayern. They they've kind of been struggling in the league a little bit, um, dropping some points. They were up seven points in the league, now it's down to two. So people weren't sure which Bayern would show up, but it was it was last year's Bayern who showed up today or or when they played. And it it's looking looking like they'll have an easy time in that second leg. Yeah. AKA returning
0: champions, defending champions Bayern. Like six. Six, uh, winning Bayern. Um, yeah, the, this game was pretty much over um, by the first half,
1: and um, pretty much after like the first 10 minutes, like once <laughs> Byron got that first goal, you could kind of see Lazio's body language was just like, ah, oh, crap. And yeah. yeah, it was, it was always going to be an uphill battle. And when they give away that free goal, it was, it was pretty much done and dusted. Yeah. And the way they
0: were just carving them up, um, Credit to Lazio for getting that uh, oh, um, gaining that goal, but they do have to play in Bayern's home turf, and um, trying to score three away goals, um, well, that would be a challenge. But in soccer, not football, nothing is impossible. Nothing is possible, except for what Arsenal winning the Champions League. So
1: that would or, or Olivier Giroud scoring beautiful, otherworldly goals, which. He did this week. Uh, Chelsea yeah. won. Atletico Madrid nil. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend googling that Olivier Giroud overhead kick. Um, there, this game was it was pretty. It was boring. I mean, it was a, an Atletico Madrid game. That's how they like to play. They like to make the game boring because that's that's their style and it's effective. Um, they they clogged up the middle. They really didn't let. Uh, Chelsea do too much Chelsea had a lot of possession but it was kind of just passing sideways passing around the wings not really attacking into the box and and the one half chance that falls to Giroud he's able to to overhead kick it in the net and that gives them a a crucial crucial away goal Um, especially against a team like Atletico you 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 want to get that advantage because they can just sit back and defend the lead or defend the tie and now that Athletico has to come at them, there'll be more space, there'll be more chances, hopefully, in that second leg and and hopefully from a Chelsea perspective that they can advance through.
0: Yeah. That it was a great result. Um not gonna lie. I do wish um when after we scored that goal, um things started to open up a little bit more for us, more for Chelsea. Um they should have taken more advantage as a um, really secure. Um, and like cushion that that lead um, because you know um, let's go anything can can happen and one goal they're right back in it and you know they can do that they're the masters of you know defending defending being physical and then uh really like punch you in the mouth with a surprise goal and they do got attackers you got Suarez um who is having a little bit of a I wouldn't say a Ransom season because he always had that quality. He always had that quality. Um, as much as I um necessarily don't like to admit it. And uh, you still got uh Yael Felix. Um they, they got they got attackers on the team. So um on paper, Atletico seems like a complete team. This seems like this should have been a tougher match than it should have appeared. Chelsea did dominate, um Possession, they dominate the ball. It was just hard for them to really crack that defense, uh, crack that back six at times. Um, and um, Let's Go seems to be just uh, in a little bit of a free fall so far, um, just losing their grip on losing their lead in La Liga, uh, making it real tighter than it is with uh, Real Madrid. And um, I don't know. It's um it's looking like um they're in a slump right now and um, need to get it together before the season starts to fall off fall off the rails.
1: Have you noticed any real change in the way Chelsea's been playing under Thomas Tuchel aside from like the formation change where now they play like a 3-4-2-1 or whatever and they have the wing backs Hudson-Odoi's and Doyle, is playing like basically just right he just plays the entire right side of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, like, is there anything like in the way that they're being aggressive up front or like in the midfield? Anything you're seeing that's different? Um, our defense has gotten a lot better.
0: It definitely got a lot better. Back with Lampard, we were just leaking goals like the like Niagara Falls. It was it was rough, and um, it's been a um, nice sight to see. Um, seeing all these clean sheets even keppa had a clean sheet um which is you know if keppa can get a clean sheet then i then i would say it's a good it was a good day for our defense um so that's definitely been helpful um trying to neutralize our opponents attack because um usually our our, our attack has been kind of struggling um since um i want to say around from the, for around November. Um, it's just been hard to get players going, are very, are very expensive attackers going. Um, Pulisic, uh, CH, um, Warner, who finally broke his uh, goal scoring drought, um, Havertz. And with the new system, it's gonna take time for them to get adjusted and um, see how Tuco wants them. It really takes a lot of, um, a lot of those positions away. Um, from like players like um Havertz or um Warner or Hudson Doy, they're not playing their actual positions. Uh, and um it's now it's just gonna be more competition for those uh, limited amount of attacking spots because right now we're mainly a defensive type team. Um and that's what's been getting us um results so far. Um we only we we're, uh, Chelsea is still undefeated. Um And they still have a rough, a tough, uh, a tough running games going on with uh, Man United, uh, their Let's go draw um, leg coming up. So um, we'll see how well this system can can sustain itself. Um, Definitely put Chelsea in a good position to recover from the rough patch that they had in January. Um, But um, but the They're not quite out of the woods yet, I would say. And just a credit to uh, Drew, who always has to make, who can always find something out of nothing. Um, Really one of the bargains, really a massive Chelsea bargain in my opinion.
1: Christian Pulisic did get a late sub-appearance, played maybe the last seven, ten minutes of this game, but he didn't really do much. Um, The only highlight that he had really was he got kicked in the face with the ball. Um, Other than that, he really didn't have any effect on the game. I,
0: I, 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 I would want to mention, you know, he brought back the beard. He brought back the beard. Maybe the beard is what he needed to to, to get it going, to get the season going. You know, we'll see. But uh, he does look clean with the beard, not going to lie.
1: Yeah, you know, he got to look good, feel good. So hopefully that can kind of change up his mojo right now. He's been – He's been struggling for form, struggling for playing time. So anything he wants to try, as long as it works, I'm good with. Yeah.
0: So then going to uh, Real Madrid and Atlanta. Um, Real going into the game was really depleted. Derry, nine uh, their players can't participate in the tie. Um, and like it was Hazard, Casemiro. Um, no, it wasn't Casemiro. Um, Hazard was leaning um one of the most of the players who ha- are out um for Madrid and can participate in the um Atlanta game and it's pretty much like a bunch a mix of um of veterans and uh young young players um because half of these players were kind of unre- on their bench was unrecognizable i'm not going to lie to you and They had to play some of these kids, and um, but um, luckily for them, they got a wreck. Uh, Atlanta got hit with a red card, um, early in the first half and definitely had an impact on the game. And uh, with that man advantage, um, still, you uh, Madrid, uh, it was hard for Madrid to break through until like the the diamonds in the match with, uh, from on Mendy's, uh, strike.
1: Yeah. I thought that that red card was a hundred percent BS. Um, it, it was, it was soft. It was definitely a, a Madrid favored call. Um, yeah, it was a foul and yeah, it's a yellow, but never in a hundred years is that a red. I think the referee just took a little bit too much out of this. eye. um, by doing that because you, you take a player off 17 minutes into the game, it changes the whole complexion of the game. I really wanted to see Atlanta go for this game. And I think they, they kind of were in the early goings. they were still finding their feet, but they were going to play typical Atlanta ball. Um, That red card changed everything. They, they still were able to create a little bit, but Madrid had them on the back foot for most of the game. And, it looked like it was going to be nil-nil until Ferland Mendy scores a a beautiful goal. And, and that was really big for them. They, uh, they needed this win, especially down so many players, like you said. And I think they can, they can hold on for the second leg, but Atalanta are going to go for it. I, I I feel that a hundred percent that they're just going to throw caution to the wind. And they're going to say, we're down a goal. We need to score some goals. We're going to go for it. And that could backfire. They could lose 3-0, or that could that could result in like a, a 4-2 win. So I think I think you should expect some goals from the second leg. Um, maybe from Atalanta, maybe from Real Madrid, but I think it's gonna be a goal fest. Yeah, definitely I'm
0: expecting the second leg to be dramatically different from the from the first leg. Um and like you said, um Atalanta. Um, really just changed how they had to um switch up their, their game plan. They had to make a substitution in the first half just to cover that that gap um in their in the midfield. Um speaking of that red card, it was a it was definitely a foul. It was a clear goal scoring op- opportunity, but we seen uh but we seen plenty of goal scoring opportunities that got stopped by fouls and why was that singled out? Um, amongst the rest, but I digress. Far made their decision already. So, uh, moving so definitely, um, Madrid has put themselves in a good position with a crucial way goal, but um, Atlanta can uh change it up. Um, they had definitely had the potential to change it up.
1: And for the last game in the first round of the round of sixteen, first leg of the round of sixteen, Mansetti, um, their train just keeps on moving, keeps on chugging along, two 0 over Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um and it was it was clinical. It was they didn't allow Gladbach much of anything. They were they were really just toying with them, passing the ball around the penalty box, around twenty five yards out, and just kind of kind of you know. Are we going to go in right now? No, nah, we're just going to pass it around some more. Are we going to go in right now? No, nah, we're just going to pass it around. Okay, now we'll now we'll make our moves towards goal. And Jesus scored and uh, Bernardo Silva scored the other goal. They just have so many weapons on this team right now. Still without Aguero. He did come in late, got a sub-appearance. That's good news for them. No De Bruyne in this game as well. So I don't know who can stop Man City. That's 18 wins in a row, 19 wins in a row, something like that in all competitions, which is insane. And while they're, they're so good up front, their defense has been rock solid too. They they're not allowing much. And I think that's what separates this man city team from man city teams in the past.
0: Yeah. Um, this has just been a classic uh, man city game and um, they're on the run of their lives right now, um, running, like running away in the league. Um, still in, all competitions um still can still the front runners in all their competitions um they really changed they really turned the, the Premier League race into was feels like a um a a given at this point. And um yeah this is there's not much to say um besides how clinical the players have been, how deep their bench is. Um, and um, their defense is really clicking together. Um, I remember watching um, the Man City documentary, All Nothing, and how important it was to Pep to have a good defense um, because that was something that has been thrown on their side you know, um, here and there. But um, everyone has been on it at this point. And um Mom Block and God Block um, – it's not looking. It's not looking good for them. That's all. I'm. I'm. am I'm, I'm usually pessimistic. Um. So I don't see them, unless all of the Man City players got hit with COVID or something. I don't see this happening.
1: <laughs> Even then, the second string Man City side would still be pretty good if. If it was against the youth team, maybe, yeah. If, like, all 40 Man City players came down with COVID, maybe that would, that's the only chance for Mucha Gawbach. But aside from that, aside from that catastrophe, I think their their Champions League run this year is is pretty much over. Yeah. The only thing exciting
0: to wish for about Man City at this point is if Edison will score a penalty or not. <laughs> or if Zach Steffen gets any playing time.
1: He might, with the way this season is going. That would be that would be awesome, because um, there's a lot, there's a lot of people who are saying like, oh, he can't be the US starter. He doesn't start for his club. Well, he plays for like a top three club in the world. I mean, maybe right now on, on form they're the top club in the world, but they're they're one of the best teams in the world. So, yeah. not being their starting goalie is not something that we should knock people for. Mm-hmm.
0: And with a goalkeeper like Edgerson, you know, still young, still in that. Um, firmly the number one, it's hard to replace someone like that. And um, when he does get opportunities, you know, that's just a credit. If he's able to get a start, you know, that's not a cup. Or, uh, you know, that's just credit to, like, how good he has to be to replace Edgerson, you know. And it's showing in his um international games. You know he's been a solid, uh, he's been a solid a goalie. So obviously, you know it hasn't uh, been detrimental to him so far. Considering he's still our number
1: one. Switching European competitions, we'll take a look at the Americans playing in the Europa League. Um, the the second legs finished up today, mm-hmm. um, and every American, not every American, but ninety nine percent of the Americans were were knocked out of the competition today um leo fc salzburg uh, hoffenheim were, we're all knocked out um and that's a little disappointing because we won't be able to, to to see them play more of these games but all these players did start both games and looks pretty impressive mm-hmm. um anyone you want to start talking about first stella
0: um i think you know who i want to talk about
1: yeah timmy wea of course we'll start we'll start with our, our boy tim out in leo um, in that first game, he was able to score Leo, Leo's only goal. Um, it was a poacher's goal. It was a bad back pass, but he was there pressuring the defender and there to, to steal it before it got to the goalie and able to score a goal. Um, what I love about Waya is just how he can do so much with so little. He can do stuff with only one touch, or if it's a bad pass, a bouncing pass to him you still have confidence that he's going to be able to, to send that ball to a teammate in a good spot so they can do something good as well. And I think that's what makes him most underrated is that he's always helping the team out. Maybe like his, his statistics aren't great, but what he does in the game with like his movement and his touches, it's always bettering the team. It's always putting the team in a good spot to, to succeed from. And he does have some things to work on. You know, he's not flawless. He's, he's human like all of us. I know how much we, we love him and we sing his praises, but I, I think sometimes he just drifts out of games and doesn't get to the ball enough. He doesn't, he's not aggressive with it. Um, and he needs to work on his finishing. Uh, in the second leg today, there was a couple chances that he had that that could have brought Leo back into the tie, but they were just wide of the post. And, and that saw them crash out of the competition. Yeah, um, that was definitely like a high point. Um, that uh,
0: that goal um, that gave him the lead at first and um, just a great awareness of, um, of the ball and um, just being able to just go for it and just attack. And um, we definitely seen a lot more of that, um, really just creating chances uh, on and off um setting up his teammates um really um uh, making his uh making his spot on the on the team and um I think um that like support has been warranted um uh, with the start he got to um uh, yesterday and he can only go up from here um he just turned 21 this weekend this week and um He just seems really determined to keep improving and keep getting better, and that's all all I all I can ask for. Um, And this isn't the end of Leo's season at all. They're leading League One right now. Um, PSG are and Leon are climbing to get back. Um, They're on a they're on a nice run right now,
1: and um, he has definitely been part of the reason why. Moving on to a, another Yank in Europa League, Brendan Aronson for Salzburg. Um, they crashed out of the competition today against Villarreal, losing 4-1 on aggregate. But Aronson, he's looked surprisingly good to me. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was a little uh, a low on him going into this. his move to, to Salzburg. I, I wasn't too impressed with him, but he's he's shown me a lot. Um, he's He's good he's similar like Tim way. He's good with his first touches. If there's a bad ball coming to him, you, you still think he'll, he'll do something positive with it. Um, he's pretty saucy on the ball. He's, he's always trying back heels and, and flicks to his teammates and they're actually succeeding. It's not like he's out there doing it, making a fool out of himself. Mm-hmm. It's an actual like play within the game to, to actually move the ball along, which is, which I'm in, I'm quite impressed with, um, his, his defensive work rate is good, which is nice to see. That was something that was a little bit of a question mark uh, with him moving over. But sometimes I feel like he's just active to be active. He's just running around, not really with a purpose. He's just running around to, to run around to look like he's busy. So if he can work on that, work on being more precise with his defense, I think that's his, his next element to his game.
0: Yeah, I definitely um, love seeing um, Arison really explore his career side, and that's definitely uh, you can see like that has that's been a part of his uh, that's becoming a part of his game, um, and um, definitely just encourages me seeing him gain a start in a um, in a game like this, and um, really just acclimating himself well. Um, um, Scoring, um, assisting, uh, creating chances, um, and Salzburg are um, gaining that um, competition in the in the in the in Austria, um, which you know, not a top uh, top league, but still, um, but still, um, European competition. Um, it's always a it's always a win, and um, with the way that they're leading the league right now, um, and um, him being able to contribute will only help his development.
1: If they can manage to hold on to that league lead and and win the title, they'll be in Champions League next year. So, hopefully, we'll have even more players in the Champions League next year. Mm-hmm. Another player that we've been looking at in the Europa League has been Chris Richards. Just got his loan move to, to Hoffenheim at the, at the end of January, and he's looked he's looked really solid, I have to say. I, I've been really impressed with Chris Richards. I've, I thought he was good, but at Bayern it's kind of hard to tell because they have so many great players. Is it just the system or is it the player? And he's looked, at the very least, very competent out there. He hasn't made any big mistakes. He hasn't really done anything wrong on the defensive end. And he's looked good uh, passing the ball. He's been able to to pass with both of his feet, left and right, and able to to break lines of pressure. He's been able to pass. There's been multiple balls multiple times of games where he's uh, bypassing the midfield and able to, to get the ball to his wingers and strikers, which is what you're looking for from your defenders. You're looking for them to, to be able to to contribute to the attack in any ways they can. And I think he really needs to be looked at as the, the other starting center back for the USMNT him and John Brooks, I think are the, well, they're the only two playing in the German Bundesliga right now. So I think it would only make sense that they're, they're our starting tandem.
0: Yeah. Yeah definitely just um encouraging start um to to uh to his uh Bundesliga career and um his meaningful Bundesliga action i uh, am not to say his uh, action in uh, Bayern hasn't wasn't meaningful um being able to get that um sextuple uh, pedigree will always you know will always wear off if some somehow um but um him with uh, Hoffenheim um he just feels, he just feels comfortable out there, and that's that's all that we can ask for, and um, really just equipping himself up very well, and just showing what he can, just showing what he can do, just proving, maybe showing um, Bayern who might be moving some players, he might be leaving. Like, oh, I can step up, I can be that uh, player. Uh, for, for next year um, and yeah definitely making his case at a starting position uh, for the men's national team as well
1: I heard an interview with him the other day that he said Hansi Flick who is uh, Byron's head coach told him that other players like David Alaba and Philip Baum and Yashua Kimmich had also been sent out alone by Bayern, and mm-hmm. to be compared to those three guys those guys aren't just you know, really good Byron players. Those guys are really good players across the world. Um, Some of the, some of the best players in the world. So to have your coach think of you like that, that's, maybe he's just saying that to be nice to, you know, give him a little motivation, but if he's earnest with that, if he's sincere, that's, that's a pretty big praise for the, uh, the young Alabama man.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can only, can only go up from here. Um, and I'm um, looking and very excited to see how the rest of his season goes and uh, really just uh, make make the case for starting for Bayern next season or just at least getting more meaningful action with the team. Or, you know, moving on or uh, being – or gaining just another loan, uh, whether that be towards um, another military team like Hoffman Hoff, – Hoffenheim or – somewhere we can get
1: um, Champions League action. And just a quick note on the, the last American standing in the Europa League, Jordan Sabichu. Um, he's a, a 24-year-old striker for BSC Young Boys who are a team in the Swiss League. He played the last couple of years in France with uh, Rene. Um, but this year he's, he's found his stride in, in Switzerland and he's been scoring goals for fun. Um, I think he's scoring like .89 goals. 90 um, something like that so a goal pretty much every 95 minutes or so which is a really good rate and this is just a guy to keep out keep your eye on um, for our striker pool because our we don't really have strong depth but we have a lot of guys who are who are average and kind of paving their way to to take that throne to take that starting role um I don't think he's quite at the starting role for the USMNT yet but you know there's three competitions this summer so maybe he can find his way onto a roster impress halter and and find his way into the World Cup qualifiers uh, in September. Yeah
0: just um so for some of the players some of the um P- uh USM players or fans not familiar with uh Cibachu, um he yeah he has um america he's eligible to play for the for the u.s he has holds an american passport he's also he had some experience playing with france but he hasn't been called up since 2017 i know that the um u.s had um inquired about him back in 2018 he got called up um but uh um, he did de- he declined it um but um the door is definitely still open for him to, to join the U S and I would say that the U S pool is a little bit shallower than than the France pool, you know? So if you want to get some, get some minutes, get some, get some international playing time, that might be the option to go to um, considering um, the Olympics and the, and, uh, and qualifying and the Nations League and you know the the World Cup um, so um, definitely I to keep out on um, keep uh, monitoring his development um, see how he's uh, improving and if Bo gives him see if Bo happens to give him a call up um, yeah. And then just a quick recap of the um, round of 16, um, which has a mix of some Champions League rejects, um, some some players, some teams that couldn't quite um, hit those Champions League spots uh, from last season, and some just uh, perennial um, Europa League uh, contenders, um, such as Man United and... um, well, who else? Who else? Oh, and Arsenal. Yeah, um, they got through their ties as did Tottenham and um Milan. Um, Roma is in there too. Um, Shakhtar, Ajax, and Olympiakos. Yes, I got Shakhtar, Granada, uh, Molde, um, Young Boys, Diamo, Sarb, um, Villarreal, Salvia, Prague, um. Animal Kiev and Rangers. And um, who do you think are your
1: top contenders um, so far? Um, I think you have to give the English sides. I know we used to put a crap on Man United there, but I think they're definitely one of the favorites to win this competition. If they take it seriously, I think they can, they can make a run and, and win it all. I also think you have to take a a look at Spurs. I know they're sputtering right now, but Mourinho, um, his job's on the line. And if somehow he can, he can win Europa league and qualify for champions league. I think that's where he'll, he'll rest his laurels on. He'll say, look, I got you guys champions league. Even if we finished seventh, eighth, ninth, wherever they end up finishing in the, in the premier league table. Um, and they've had some some players step up. Granted, it was against not the best competition, but Oli's looked good. Bale's scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinicius is, at, is scoring goals, so I, I wouldn't count out Mourinho yet. I know he's struggling. I know a lot of people are are angry with him, but I think those are my my top two teams right now. Yeah,
0: I would say Tottenham. They still got some some offensive power, firepower. You know. Bale was able to get cooking for a little bit. Um, Ali scored a, a really great overhead kick. That might, I think that, I think it was better than Jerus. If I'm being honest, um, and uh, you know, United, um, they're still a contender as well. Um, my sleeper picks, I would say, I'll say Milan. Um, you know, um, they're kind of they've been fading the in the league. Uh, Inter has overtaken them, um, but um, I can definitely see this as a competition. They can uh, go far in. And a real sleeper pick, I would say, is Rangers. They have been on an absolute tear. They have been unbeaten since I would say since um, last year. It's been it's been crazy. They're still undefeated in the in the league um a, a massive i want to say 20 points ahead of their most recent competition in the um scottish premiership and i have yeah the the their league is probably the league is um almost there they're looking to be the next invincibles um and they just got a lot of um, they've just been able to just like keep scoring and scoring. Um so the um that would be my super pick. They can really go far in this competition. They really play their cards right. They can be the Ajax of twenty nineteen, twenty
1: uh I like that pick with uh Steven Girard as their head coach. I think they can they definitely would surprise some people and Rangers are uh a few years removed from being sent down to like the fifth division in Scotland so i think that's that's a good sight for for world soccer that they're back up there playing with the big boys.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah. So
0: then um yeah we have our round of 16 um for the Europa League they'll play in the next couple weeks and i uh, will finish out the next uh the next uh round of uh legs uh, for the round 16 of the Champions League, we'll definitely update you on that and, um, to see who is going to be playing against who. And it's looking to be, an um, exciting, uh, competition, um, as always in Europe. So now moving on, um, moving away from Europe, taking a quick flight back stateside, um, just some quick, um, updates on the American front, um, Daryl DK. Scored his first goal for um, Barnsley yesterday. Um, really um, getting adjusted to life in the championship.
1: And um, been doing doing pretty well, right, Daniel? Yeah, he's looked uh, – he's fitting nicely. Um, he's been used as a target man, just they're slinging long balls at him, telling him to go win headers. I think the other day I saw he – he won eleven aerial duels and lost twelve, so having twenty-three aerial duels in one game is ridiculous. That means they're they're sending uh, a bunch of balls to him. Um, but yeah, he's he's looked like he's been able to to handle the physicality of the league. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's a big guy to begin with. He's he's strong, but he's also he's also got good feet, and he uh, he showed that with his goal the other day. And hopefully this is uh, a sign of things to come to some, some worse news that we have to share on the podcast. Um, Jordan Morris suffered another ACL tear this time to his other knee. Uh, he had an ACL tear, I want to say four years ago um, and recovered and got to, to MVP form in MLS, but in his fourth or fifth game with Swansea, he tears the other one um, and yeah, so that's a real blow to him. Wish him a speedy recovery. Um, I, I liked his move to Swansea. I wanted to, to see how he could do abroad in Europe, but uh, we won't be able to see that now. And his, his place in the USMNT is, is really in doubt now because he's going to be out at least 11 months, 12 months, at least a year before he can play again. So, um, yeah, just that's brutal news for him, but wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, just very,
0: just very disappointing to, uh, very sad to hear. Um, and, um, you know, was really looking forward to his move to, um, his move to Swansea, just really just hoping he get that European experience, um, that uh, England experience. And it's sad to see it cut short, and uh, wishing nothing but the best—a speedy recovery, if a quick recovery—and hopefully he gets back there soon. And if he still has a, a spot on the on the team, um, the way they, well, the way uh, the competition uh, has been with some of the spots um, and some of the injuries that we've been having in um, the wings, um, it might not be totally out the realm if he comes back. Um, but we'll just have to see how things develop. But sad to see he'll have to miss, like, a, a crucial part of just, like, qualifying um, at that point. And um, hopefully he can get, just get back in shape in time for um, the World Cup. And then um, speaking of the World Cups, um, this is a team we haven't really talked about here. Um, but um, hopefully we'll change that in the future uh, because um, they have been just been – just a dominant, um, team, um, for, for decades. And we would be remiss, um, if we didn't talk, if we didn't at least mention, uh, the women's national team, um, nothing new, uh, just another, um, trophy to their collection, um, winning the She Believes Cup, um, capping off with a 6-2 win against Argentina, um, yeah, Rose Lavelle um, won MVP. Uh, this has uh, just been on a nice tear, a 17-game winning streak. Um, they've only lost one game since August 2017. Um, things are looking good uh,
1: for the women's team um, looking towards the Olympics, if they do happen. Yeah, it was good to see um, some of those old faces in there, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, um, like you said, Rose Lavelle. Um, she had kind of like a, a quiet tournament, but she's the best player. Kind of tells you the level that that she's at right now. It's also good to see some of the, the new players in there. I know there's a lot of people excited about Katarina Marcario, and and she looked a little bit, you know, out of her depth against Canada, but that, that's to be expected when it's your first real international game against a, a quality opponent. So this US the USWMT first time i think i've said that on the pod um they're so loaded it's good to see the the old blood and the new blood in there for the for the women's national team um this team is so good they could probably go three teams deep and still be competitive at, at a world cup their their third string third third stringers would be competitive at a world cup maybe not win it but would probably reach a quarterfinal maybe a semi-final so that just Tells you the talent that, that our women have and um, their new coach, Vladko and seems to know what he's doing. He's uh, he's running a good program over there. So I think the uh, the women can be the first team to win a world cup and an Olympics in the same cycle. And and that would be pretty special. That would really cap off the, the dominance that the uh, the women's national team has had over the last 25 years. Yeah,
0: pretty much since like the start of women's soccer, like they've been the pioneers of that. They've never been ranked low than second in the FIFA rankings ever. It's just it's just a stunning um run of dominance. Um people say like we um do you think they be they be considered a dynasty?
1: Um I guess it's kinda hard to to quantify that in soccer because it's not not the same because it's a it's a nation not necessarily a team but if if you want to call they would be as close as you could be if they're not a dynasty then there's no dynasties in and in, uh, international soccer mm-hmm. um, so if you're if you're going to say there's any dynasties then they're definitely number one if not number two you could argue that the brazilian men are a d- uh, dynasty just because they've been so good for so many years but yeah, the the women's national team is as dynastic as you can get. I would
0: say if they pull off another win in uh, 2023, then we would have to – if they get a 3 no other team has done a 3 in the World Cup. I don't think any other team has done – has repeated. Um, I don't think that might be – I think there may have been some place. But I definitely know that no team has um, 3 as World Cup champions. If the if the women's team does that, then then I will call them the dynasty, in my opinion. But um, they're looking good for the Olympics. They're looking good. Um, just another dominant run, as as we can see. And um, looking to see, and we'll definitely be covering them once uh, that uh, uh, when more of the games come. Uh, right now. They had the Olympics coming up. Uh, probably have some tune-up games before then, but um, we'll see, and we'll definitely be monitoring um, how they do. And um, with that, um, we will check back with you um, in the next couple of weeks. Finishing up Champions League recap. Finishing up um, Europa League recap. Checking in on the world of soccer. All the highs. All the all the lows. All the all the all the what
1: all the yays, all the no's i don't know that just rhymes so i've said that yeah Yeah. let's get out of here let's (laughs) (laughs) go
0: we we hit a wall but um come back next week for soccer